Hi Chris, we've got a problem. What's your problem, mate? We need to get a sign made. Out of what? Preferably this bit of timber. I think I can help you. How? With my Bluey from Blue Calf CNC. How's that, Rob? That's fantastic, Chris. Where do I get one? Mate, just give Adam a Blue Calf CNC a call. He'll help you out. G'day folks, welcome back to Measure Twice, Cut Once, your uh, fortnightly dose of uh, vitamins, goodness, hardiness, and occasionally a little bit of logic. Um, for the next uh, little while, taking you through is myself, Dirk, from Sumo's Projects, and uh, my mate here, Hoss, Chris, from uh, Built by Chris. We're both on YouTube, uh, Instagram, and uh that's about the good spots where yeah. we... Oh, and, and we've got a Facebook page, Chris. We do, yes. yes. Measure Twice Cut Once. There's yep. a Facebook page now. So jump aboard, jump on board there because that's where everyone can share their ideas and uh, and maybe have some good ideas for us mm. on, for this show. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's been it's been interesting. This is season five, Chris. We've yep. uh, gone around the block four times. So this is our fifth season um trying to always improve on what we're doing yeah so we're doing a few things differently this season yep definitely are and um we, we hope you're enjoying some of the uh actual tips and tricks tips and tricks coming to you the content that's coming through yep yep from good old james mm. so thank james finger for thank you for uh being part of the show this season mate so we've got a good show planned once again, Chris. Today, yep. With Today. another guest. Yep. <clears throat> I have a special guest. Um, uh, it was a recommendation to me from someone who's in my Facebook friends. And he said, why don't you just go for that? Oh, I think I put a feelers out uh, wanting to know if anyone does uh, leather work. Oh, leather work. Leather work. We haven't had one of those on yet. No, no. And we wanted the genuine quality type leather worker. Mm. So we found that. We found the gentleman today. His name's Mark. And we'll introduce him in just a second, right after this uh, word from one of our supporters. Exactly right. We'll be right back. Yeah, g'day. How you going? I'm good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, there's a bit of a material going about called structure panel. Yeah, it's great stuff. Is this place stock it? We've got tons of it. Tons of it. Can I get a ton? All right. Or just start with one sheet. I'll give you one sheet to start with. All right, let me have it. Oh, that's big. Thanks, mate. Have fun. See ya. Another <laughs> happy customer. without further ado it's a it's quite a pleasure today chris to introduce uh mark from uh riverbend riverbend what even, i was going to say leatherbend what the hell am i thinking i don't know riverbend riverbend leather it's, it's, it's round and, it's round uh, the bend around the bend that's where i'm going <laughs> <and> I, <laughs> I was looking at an oasis thinking what am i doing here but uh <laughs> never mind that's my personal status um welcome to the show today mark um we, we mentioned in the introduction that you are uh, a person who works with leather and a, a quality maker of uh, different products with the leather. 
Um, so let's let's start the day out by just telling us about where you live, and, um, and then we'll go into a little bit of your background, so you can introduce yourself in in, in as far as what got you into leatherwork, or have you always been doing it? Yeah, no, I'm, I, I live in Golgol, which is a small town on the New South Wales side of the Murray River up here at Mildura. Uh, most of your viewers probably uh, would know of Mildura uh, in the far northwest of Victoria. Uh, we're in the tri-state area, so we're not far from the South Australian border as well. Uh, I, I grew up here uh, and I came back here when I sort of looked at retirement. Uh, I used to be in the media as a journalist. Um, these, these days with the... Uh, 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 social media, everybody's a journalist. Um, but I sort of, uh, I, I always had an, an ambition to get into making and uh, leatherwork sort of popped up. I don't know why. I suppose when I was a kid, there was lots of leatherwork around um, and I just liked it. It just sort of, it's it's just something I got into and I've sort of enjoyed it. Um, I, I love making things out of leather. Uh, it's, 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 it is somewhat renewable. Uh, there is something about it. You feel it. You can smell it. Uh, the texture, uh, the things that you can do with it. It's, it's utilitarian. You know, we've been working with leather for thousands and thousands of years, still doing it. But it's, it's also artistic. It's also uh, there's something about it. You know, the look of it. So that's why you know, I just enjoy it, and uh, I'm proud to be part of the maker community. There's there's definitely a warmth to it, isn't there, to, to leather work. Yeah, it's um, interesting when you, you take. It's a bit like I suppose lots of other trades. You know, you, you, when you when you get leather, it's flat. You lie you lay it down on the on the table, the bench, um, and when you start cutting it and sewing it and uh, doing things with it, it just changes. Yeah, and um, yeah, and that's that's the joy. I mean, you've got to be careful with leather too because it's so easy to to put marks in it or to make mistakes. You you've got to be patient. Um, but yeah, when you see that you can take something, I said something that's one dimensional, something that's flat, and you can turn it into a bag, a wallet, a hat. Um, you know, I, I don't make shoes, but I mean, you can, you know, shoes and, and all manner of things, and, it, and it's got a longevity about it. You know, people, uh, people have, you know, bags for years, belts. You know, if you get a decent belt, you know, it'll last your lifetime. So, you know, as long as you don't change weight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Me. But, yeah, so it's it's an interesting uh, medium, um, but it's it, it leads into other things as well. I mean, you, uh, hardware, metal, uh, you can incorporate, you know, beads, you can incorporate woodwork, all th sorts of things. Um, yeah, so it's, it's fascinating. It's a, it's a journey that I seem to enjoy at the moment. That's wonderful. Mm. We um we always try to like go back in. I, I suppose we've chatted on and off about um historically Australia has been a, a country of DIY. Um, you know, people had to resolve issues uh, by using materials at hand and you know getting the job done. Where there was once upon a time, upon a time, a scarcity of material. So you you know whether you had leather at by your side or just some you know steel posts or you have to make something work so what's your experience if you go back into the the mindset of where you know australians really first got involved with working with uh, hides and you know curing hides and 
you know, turning them into beautiful products. Yeah, I look, I'm fascinated by history. Um, and um, I think you'll find that, I mean, leather, um, well, if, if you're running machinery, you need leather belts. Um, yeah, they, they use them in uh, uh, as suspension units in, in carriages. Uh, leather was used for uh, uh, saddles, saddles, um, shoes, all manner of things. So every every town, there, there would be a, uh, a a saddle maker, a cobbler. Uh, leather would would find its way into just about anything, really. Mm. Um, so there was a great emphasis on that. So, um, and of course, you know, there would be animals as well, and that, that's where leather comes from. So uh, there'd be a butcher, there'd be a, someone doing tanning. Um, yeah, there's, 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 there's few tanneries left in Australia, mm. uh, but, you know, there are around the world, uh, India produces lots of leather, uh, a lot of the leather that, uh, you know, a lot of leather comes from cattle um, from South America. China has a huge leather industry. So, um, yes, it, it, it just continues. And, of course, these days there are so many different types of leather available and the, and the production techniques and the finishes are so vast, different colours, different, different, different finishes, different uh, weights of leather. It can be used in fashion. It can be used in shoes. It can be used in wallets. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's endless. Yeah, it's um I, I do always recall because um, I'm a, I drive trucks, so I commute through Melbourne and just going around the western part, say Footscray, the tannery, which was a bit whiffy around those areas, Mark. <laughs> yeah, 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 because because obviously you need lots of water to process the the hides, um, and yeah, the that this. Uh, all those all those uh, industries were uh, down on the riverbank, um, and of course, unfortunately, you know uh, the, the stench was too much for a lot of people. A lot of those industries had to move. Uh, mm. The EPA laws and uh, occupational health and safety, um, you know, it's 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 made made huge changes in lots of industries in this country. Yeah, you know, and and we, we have to compete with cheap imports. You know, it's the labour costs in other countries are, are, are a lot um, a lot lower than here. Um, there are, as I said, there are still some tanneries left in this country, uh, but the other thing also is economy of scale. You know, we can't compete. So, um, you know, the, the, our, our industries, you know, our, our consumer base here is quite small. But you know, you you, you work around that. You know, I, I I buy through Australian distributors as best mm -hmm. as I possibly can. Uh, the hardware I'd buy through Australian distributors, although most of the, most of that is made overseas, you know. But you, you try to support Australian businesses as best you can. That's a that's a really interesting point you make because, um, you know, yeah, I think since the pandemic, um, a lot of Australians have recognised that uh, quality sometimes, <clears throat> you know, succeeds over quantity and. Um, well, before the you know before the pandemic, there was abundance of everything, and I think we we, we sort of turned into a throwaway society, where all right, that's yeah, it's buggered, you know, we'll get another one. And I think a lot of people in Australia have started to realise that if I spend just that little bit more money and help a you know local producer, 
um, there's a potential of having an item which lasts a long time. And industry, in in fact, have um, built-in obsolescence, don't they? Where they don't want you to have a product that lasts forever in a day like it used to. Oh, well, just look, just look at the, yeah. um, for example, uh, and I've got totally left field here. You take the the, uh, the washing machine, the mm. humble washing machine. I remember mum bought, well, dad bought mum a, a washing machine and it lasted for, abs for decades. Mm. And then it died. It eventually <laughs> died, yeah? Mm. So we bought another one and that one lasted five years. Yeah. You know, so, and I, and I thought to myself, you know, why is that? And it's, it's obviously because um, they need to make money. So yeah, if they make something that's going to last a hundred years, they're not going to make a lot of money. No. So yeah. yeah, look, it's it's difficult. I, I don't. I mean, again, we're probably all the same. I mean, uh, it, a lot everything comes down to cost, obviously, uh, and you have to make that determination. You know, balance cost as opposed to the longevity of what you're buying. Um, but I, I think also that uh, you know there is a bit of a change happening. I mean, a lot of my customers come to me because. Uh, they want something that's individual, something that's made for them. They also want to have some input as to what goes into it, how it looks. Uh, and they also something want something that's tangible and something that will actually last longer than six months. Yeah, and I think that's representative uh, or ind indicative of what's happening in society. A lot of people are finding that they're, you know, it's cookie-cutter mentality, uh, that they're, they're sort of uh, pushed into a, into a large system where they're, they're not an individual anymore. So they're looking for people such as myself and such as you guys. Uh, they want something that's actually handcrafted. They want to talk to the person who's made, who's made it or is making it. They want to connect. They also want to hand something down to their family. You know, mm. And uh, I get people coming into me, you know, more so now, looking for they want things repaired. They want uh, they don't want to throw things away. You know, uh, mm. handbags. You know, they might be a bit ratty, but the ladies love them. They they want them fixed. They want, want them adjusted. Uh, it's heartening to see. And it's not just the older ones. It's the younger ones too. And you you touched upon the, the term cobbler before. Um, I When I played cricket years ago, I used to I used to be a bowler and, and I'd always drag my, um, my right foot, you know, the toe. Mm. And um, there was a cobbler not, just virtually around the corner from where I lived and uh, – Tucked away in a little corner alley, you know, had his little cobbler shop. And I'd go there and I'd get my shoes, my cricket shoes repaired, you know, until they were no longer repairable. And I just I just loved engaging in that small environment where the guy knew how to fix it, you know, and, yeah. and, and or fix it and make it better than it was originally. So, you know, and, and, and that's what... When we talk about um, things that are a bit dearer and the quality is there, um, Chris and I can relate to, say, Festool. Yeah. Now, Festool is a woodworking machinery type brand mm. made in Germany. It's super expensive, but once again, it's something that you get that ultimate quality and you hope it lasts you a long time. So do you find if you need to buy tools for your particular trade, are they... Are you able to find them made locally? Um, no, not really. I mean, I, I when I first started out, I was buying bits and pieces because uh, I wasn't experienced. Um, I, I would, I, I would, I started out with a basic kit uh, from Tandy, um, and as I progressed, I looked at what tools I required, and and it's a learning process. 
but as you as you look at the, the the tools and you work out how to use them and how to look after them and how they fit you and, and how they work for you, then you start to look around and you go online and you find go into chat rooms and you find out what everybody else is saying, uh, and then you look for probably if you're after better tools. I mean, again, it's the same old situation that you know you're only as good as the tools that you've got. You know, so you really need to put put time and effort and money into buying the best tools that you can actually afford. I know it's difficult when you're starting out, but if you want to do a good job, you've actually had to have the good, the best tools. So you look around for the best suppliers, uh, and more often than not, they're overseas. You know, it's um, um, a lot of stuff comes out of the Asian countries, and that's fair enough. But you know, America makes really lovely tools. The Germans make beautiful tools. Uh, but the other thing also is that you actually have to you, know, you sometimes have to, your skill level has to, you, the, you have to raise the bar to actually the, the level that you need to be for the tool that you're after, you mm -hmm. know. You know, you, sometimes the, the basic tools suit you at certain levels. As you become more proficient, then you look at better tools to accent uh, uh, your skills. Uh, it's no good having a, the Rolls Royce of something if you're, you're not that good. You know? So the idea is to work work your way up, and you do become a bit of an expert in that that field in that field, much like the craft field that you're in as well. So speaking of that unique quality of essential uh, go-to places, let's hear from one of our supporters, Chris. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to just take a quick break here and uh, have a listen to a supporter because they're in Australia. Beauty. Hey, mate, they will be right back. Chris, we're always trying to be a little bit different. Yes, we are. So we dress differently. We do. What else can we do? Um, I don't know. Introduce some tool tips. Let's do that. Who can possibly help us out with it? Um, James Finger from Fisher Fingers. G'day guys, James from Fix It Fingers Woodworking here for another workshop tips episode on Measure Twice, Cut Once. Today, we're going for clamps. Now, you can never have too many clamps, as they all say, but they're really bloody expensive. So, which ones do you actually need and how many of them do you really need? Behind me is my very modest clamp rack and apart from some very big ones, it houses everything that I need and that's pretty much all I've got away with for three or four years and I don't feel the desire to add very more. On top of that, there are definitely clamps in here that get used a lot more often than others. Let's look at the dead set basics. Well, the ones that I reach for all the time are two. This one and this one. Great audio content there, James. That would be the Craig 3-inch face clamp in one hand and the Irwin Quick Grip 12-inch or 30 centimeter in the other hand. I swear between four of these and two of these, I get through 75% of my clamping. Now this also comes down a lot to personal choice. I'm a power tool woodworker. I use sheet goods and dimensional timber the vast majority of the time. I'm not going to go into joinery and all those sorts of things. If you're into specialty parts of woodworking, you need specialty clamps. I have some of those, we'll look at those in a minute. But these ones, if you are starting out, are the ones that I highly recommend. Particularly these, they are cheap, they are versatile. Even just these little 30 centimeter ones, they're gonna get you through most things. Four of those, as I said, I have two of the, I think they're the 60 centimeter ones, and two of the big boys up here as well. Between that little clamp rack 
I've got nearly everything sorted. But these face clamps, the three inch ones from Craig in particular, are just dead sexy. They auto adjust and I use those when I really want something to be secure. Just about anywhere you can flick those on and off. I find them incredibly handy, not just for pocket hole joinery, but for all forms of generalized holding. So when you're starting out, you have two of these and half a dozen-ish of these, I reckon you're almost going to be set. When you want to set up to a big clamping area, the most economical option are pipe clamps. Not necessarily the Rockler, they're expensive, but you can get lots of different varieties too. Cheap ones off eBay are fine. Pony have a new set out uh, from Timbercon. The Rocklers come from Carbotech. Doesn't really matter too much. They'll get the job done. The best thing with pipe clamps are you only need two or four of them. I only own two. And you can have different lengths of pipe. So you can have a short one or you can have these stupid long ones. I only use them when I need stupid long clamping. So hence two of those. After that, you're really into specialty territory. I have a mixture of small, squeezy, and adorable little clamps, a couple of sleeve clamps, which I use for my router fence primarily, and of course, you're gonna check square. If you are doing 90 degree clamping, then a clamping square such as this, usually paired up with these, will hold things together as your extra hand. Then we get into really specialty clamping. Band clamps. I don't use this as much as I thought I would. I will be honest, Brad Nails and glue, quite frankly, get me out of trouble most of the time. But it is a handy thing to have. Then we hit something that I use a lot, but you may not. And if you're wondering, are they worth the cost? Mm, really depends. This is a specialty pocket hole holding clamp, particularly for 90 degree stuff. And look, when I'm doing some framing, making carcasses out of pocket holes, yeah, it is handy. But as we've already mentioned, there are other ways that are a lot cheaper around having this. So definitely not the first thing you're gonna buy. And then for making plywood carcasses and those sorts of things, I have two of these, and you do need two of the 90 degree clamps. And again, they're pretty awesome, but they are a bit fiddly and they are really expensive. So, once more, you can get away not having the specialty expensive clamp with some much cheaper combo alternatives. So get out there, get yourself a small collection of clamps that you'll do most of the job, and then when you find that specialty need for a project that is just gonna make your life easier, splurge out on some of these. That's how I use clamps in my workshop. Hope that helped you out. Back to you, Sumo and Chris. I'll catch you guys on the next episode. James out. G'day, Hoss. You look like you're in trouble. Yeah, Harry, thanks, mate. Um, I've, I've been trying to sand up this blank, but I just can't get it shiny enough. Mate, I've got a two-part solution from Custom Creations. Really? Does it work? Give it a try. I will. How'd you go, mate? Harry, that was the best stuff you could have given me. Look how shiny this pen's come up. That is superb. I oh, love it. It's brilliant. Well, thank you to our supporters, Chris. They're wonderful, aren't they? They're the best. They're the best. We have the best supporters. And they're dinky dies. So, Always. Yeah, Always. yeah, yeah. buddy. Yeah. Um, now, Mark, getting back to the uh, the gruelling interview we're hosting here. Um, <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the, some of the more challenging projects that you've probably worked on and um, your best sellers. Your best sellers yeah. and 
is, is leather work hard, uh, generally hard to produce something that becomes a saleable item? Um, yes and no. It's um, uh, it, it's a matter of doing one thing and then using various steps of that in another project that you'll do. So uh, when you're starting out and uh, you know, you're, you're teaching yourself how to do things like setting rivets, uh, you start with hand stitching, then you hopefully get a machine. You look at the threads that you need, the needles, uh, the colours, you know, because, again, you, you're, you are a bit of a designer. You actually have to work work out what's going to work. You need to talk to your customers. You need to also go online and see what um, your contemporaries are doing. Um, and some things I do don't work. Um, generally, most of my stuff gets sold. Um, you know, I do a lot of bags, um, uh, you know, the belts, belts are very popular. Um, you know, but there's a lot of things that I make, and there's more things that I want to make. It's to me, it's it's also about learning my trade. Yeah. And uh, people come to me and ask me if I do saddles. Well, I don't do saddles, but it's I am fascinated by uh, you know saddles. Um, I, I'm hoping to do a shoemaker's course with with a mentor of mine. I hope to get to see her. She's in South Australia. Because uh, I think there's potential to do well uh, one-off designer shoes, but I can't compete with uh, the mass-produced stuff. But um, you know, a lot of my customers are uh, looking for something different. You know, yeah. so and that's the whole idea is to sort of um, you know make different things. You know, but once you once you find something that people like, then you know you. you, you you just keep making them, but I also like to add other things into the mix as well. And as we're, yeah, as Chris has put up some nice uh, photos of what you do make. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, and it's you know, it's uh, as you said, it's it's something that also you're you're willing to learn uh, a new aspect of it, like uh, as you mentioned, you know, uh, you appreciate saddlery, um, but perhaps I'm going to try to make shoes one day, and you know. That's that's a whole new challenge, and we we actually face exactly the same thing, Mark. Because um, yeah. you know, like Chris might indulge and learn a new activity, and that that sort of spurs oh, me my, on too. My pen making, for example. Well, that doesn't spur me on, but yeah. yeah. Well, I think, yeah. You, <laughs> I think you, you you work out that we're part of a community, mm. uh, and. And I learned. I'm 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 a member of the Wentworth Makers, which is a, a small maker artist artisan group up in Wentworth, where the shop is. Um, and you know, the, the, there are some of the things that you know the members are, are making. Uh, I'm just blown away, and you get inspiration from that, even if it's if it's could be sculptor uh, sculpting, uh, it could be metalwork, it could be woodwork. And you actually feed off that, and you look at the textures and the colours, and you think, "Oh, okay, that that might be. I can integrate that into what I'm doing." And then they come to me, and they get inspired by what I'm doing. So it's it's, you know, you get a bit of a buzz because you think, "Oh, okay, it's not just me doing it on my own." It can, as a maker, you can feel like that sometimes. When we interviewed Annie last season, Chris, yes, we did, and um, Chris was doing the same as he's like, scrolling through Instagram, and. He, he he couldn't believe the the amount of creativity that Annie had, and and she actually said that she didn't copy or plagiarize. Not I mean, not saying that there's nothing wrong with that, but they were her own original concepts, and um, mm. 
the, the one thing that um because you, you touched on that you can't compete with the mass produced stuff mm. um i don't think you should number nah. one and number two um the mass produced stuff doesn't have what you can put into it and that's your heart and soul into half of these items that you make hmm. yeah you don't you don't compete I, I i look at stuff online and um yeah, if you try to compete with everybody else, then you lose track of what you're doing yourself. And that's the mm. thing is that you know, you, you, you've got to be individual. Um, and I think also, I mean, it's, a lot of people have told me that I should be pushing stuff online and, and, and they're right to a certain extent. But, you know, you, you also need to be, uh, you need to deal face-to-face. -face. You know, you, you've, you've got to understand what your customers are after. I mean, when people buy a belt off me, um, I... I I'm, I'm polite. I ask them to try it on. I want to make sure that it fits them, that they're comfortable with it, uh, they're happy with it, because I don't want them to walk away and then think, oh, that belt won't fit me or doesn't fit me, you know. I want them to be – because they're going to have it for a long, long time, so I want them to be happy with what they've purchased. Yeah. And, you, and you can't really do that online. If, if, if the belt arrives in the mail and it doesn't fit them, then mm. they've, they've wasted their money. You know, yeah. so so it's all about customer service, about looking after your customers because they're the ones who build your business. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and and actually, you as you as we've mentioned or we mentioned, the target market um, to a large part will be to you know um, females. What females enjoy in regards to purchasing handbags, uh, I, I I would find that it's probably. Uh, in high demand because my partner has a lot of them and uh so I, I would never go out of my way to purchase one on my own free will but if we're at a market and we do see someone making it say such as yourself i would then say let's go over and have a look at these you know anything that you takes your fancy uh, it's, it's well worth investing um that little bit of extra time money and getting a good explanation from the stall holder about the whole process of what got you uh for making that and onto the shelf you know that's 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 a good part i do have a lot of gentlemen who actually do come in and buy handbags and bags and uh, shoulder bags for their partners oh, you know really? um oh yeah yeah a lot um yeah and that's changing quite dramatically and also a lot of guys are buying uh bags or looking at bags for themselves i mean uh especially you know if you if you if you need something to put your bibs and bobs in, um, then you need a good solid uh, messenger bag or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 probably more so the ladies who come in. But um, but I'm I'm interested in catering to you know both uh, men and women, and uh, mm. uh, it, it's yeah, you know, women women traditionally are the ones who are buying. They they they're a uh, they, they're always they're always aware of the of the the anniversaries and, and whatever else. That's not to say men aren't, but um, mm. but um, <laughs> but um, but I, I like to have lots of different things. I mean, I had a guy came in yesterday. Uh, he and his wife and their three kids were up from uh, Ballarat, and I've got little USB uh, cable organisers, and I make them to look like dogs. Yeah, you know, and he had his uh, large dog with him, and uh, he bought four of those. You know, so but it's just because you know we were talking about his dog, and we we're talking about him and where he came from, and the kids came in. So, 
you know, so the idea is to make it like a family experience, you know. They all come mm. in and there's something for everybody. And I think that's what uh, a good business or a shop should be also, is that everyone feels welcome to come in. What? And it's, it's building that relationship. Yeah, yeah? That's, yeah. that's what it is, yeah. Mm. Uh, Chris and Mark, look, I mean, we, we, we're also buyers or purchasers of products and goods. And when we go around... I find it fascinating to actually buy handmade craft because not only do you get the perspective of the whole, you know, process that the maker has gone through, but when you've got that item at home, it, it, it's it's still a story that continues on. Mm. And when you have a crowd of people, you know, they mm. might say, Geez, that's nice or, um, you know, nice belt or handbag, and, 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 and you can elaborate and say, well, there's a story, and you know, Mark in uh, near, near Mildura, and blah blah blah. You know, and that, that adds that word of mouth. But I don't know that rich and fuzzy feeling. Don't you reckon, Chris? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not just gone. You don't know what's happened. Um, oh, look, a lot of it's 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 a bit like it, it is interesting because um, uh, people. I mean, being an ex-journo, you know, I like to, I like to talk to people and find out you now because when they, if they're buying something off me. Well, for making something for them, uh, it's important to sort of get sort of into them a little bit to find out uh, what their preference is or what they're after, because uh, that that will sometimes dictate as to how I treat the product as I'm making it, uh, and 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 you know even when someone comes in, uh, you know if, if the ladies come into the shop, if I'm aware of their their colour or what they're they're, they're thinking about. Mm. Um, yeah, then I won't push them in certain directions, but at least I'm a little bit more aware as to what is what they're thinking about. Mm. Um, so you, you sort of get, you know, you try to read people, but you talk to them and you find out what what they're after. Because realistically, buying buying a lot of products, I mean, it's they don't really have to. It's not like they need to buy food. Um, so it's if people buy things off me, it's a privilege. Yeah, I, I feel very lucky. Uh, that they're buying something off me, and I, and I look at some of the things that I make, and and I, and I know that I only have it for a short period of time. It'll be with my customers for a long, long time, and that's really special. So I know that you know I want them to be happy, and I know that they, they love what I make. So um, so yeah, sometimes you you like to sort of know that um, a little bit about the person. I ask them questions. Sometimes they think I'm being, I'm asking too much, but um, you know, at, at the moment, there's a uh, I've got to be careful about privacy, but uh, I, I have a, a caliper. Uh, a person came to me with a leg brace, uh, and the leather has given way, uh, and I, I need to work out how to fix it for them. Yeah, and it, it's very personal, and it's something that's really, um, you know, very important to that person. So, you know, you actually you want if you do fix it, you want to make sure that it's going to be fit for purpose, mm -hmm. it's actually, yeah, because it really is something important. All right, well, going along those lines, what's the uh, the weirdest thing you've ever been asked to make? <laughs> oh, I think it's still to come. I got approached by a couple at one of the markets and they just, you know, they're polite about it. They asked me if I uh, made bondage gear. Um, and I said, oh, I'm open to making anything, but just don't ask me to fit it. <laughs> it's... Uh, <laughs> A little bit similar to one guest we had on the show uh, once upon a time, Chris, who made uh, a vaginal chairs. Oh, Jesus, I know, yeah. It's, a vaginal uh, steaming chair. Oh, it's, 
really? Uh, origins are from Japan. It's very authentic. Um, but we just about fell off the floor and there's still blood where we did fall. Mm. Um, I assume was... this bit's going to be cut. <laughs> oh, no. no, no, no. <laughs> it's stone on, mate. What about the... Uh, um, but, I, but the thing is, I, I tell people that with the leather gear, um, yeah... Bondage stuff is it's 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 the same thing, yeah. The the the, the wrist cuffs, the the dog collars, yeah. The uh, um, I'm trying to teach myself how to make uh, stock whips, um, you know. So um, you know, you got to be careful. Though. I mean, because at the end of the day, um, you know, you, you've got to be you've got to look after your customers. You got to you got to do the right thing by people. But um, you know, it just it just it, there are so many. Interesting things out there. Yeah, mm, so. So, okay, so going again along those lines, you've made this stuff. Um, do you actually test it out on <laughs> maybe the, the misses to make sure that it works the way it's supposed to? Or can't believe you asked that. Uh, <laughs> I'm well, sure viewers would like to hear it. Some Either people can't. Get your ass. Some people can't. Out out. <laughs> Some people come in and buy dog collars off me, and I know they don't have a dog. Oh. <laughs> so, 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 yeah. So you put yourself in my shoes. Am I going to ask them questions about what dog they've got? <laughs> so, you need to know. You can't make something <laughs> for a chihuahua, right? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, and uh, although I, uh, there's uh, one of the markets, a young goth girl. Uh, and very, she's bought a few things off me. Very stylish, you know. It's got really, really good, good eye for the goth gear. Uh, and she was wearing a choker with uh, the studs on it, the, the the pointy studs, so about an inch long. Really nice and stylish, you know. So you know, as a as a as a designer piece, as as a fashion, you know, it's really really uh, fascinating to look at those things. You know, so you, if you make them. Oh, I know some people might be a bit put off by, by those sorts of things, but it's a fashion item, so yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's another thing to think about making. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm interested in all things. Yeah. All right, we're just going to go have yeah. a quick break, yeah, uh, for another supporter, yeah, and then we'll come in and ask one last question of Mark, yeah, and then we'll uh, we'll let him go and make his whips. Can you can you put some? <laughs> I'm going to put some deodorant on. Uh, a bit riffy as well. Oh, that's Whip. that must be the tanning you're doing just over there. G'day, bud. How you going, brother? I'm good, mate. Listen, have you got any blanks from Mind Matter Create? I certainly do. I just happen to have them here in front of you. Okay, I want to buy them, please, because I'm going to turn some pens. It's a pleasure to be able to do business. Here they are, sir. And... Uh, Many happy returns on your pen making endeavours. Thank you. <laughs> and so you have to pay for them. So, Mark. Um... It's, uh, we could talk for hours, but unfortunately we don't have hours. No, we don't. Um, but 
I, I would like to invite you personally back that onto our show in a in a group discussion one day if you're willing to come oh. back after, yep. after this experience you may not but you know we'll play by you <laughs> um i've got a i've got a hard-hitting question now um what's your favorite song um i like lots of songs i mean i, I dabble with the ukulele um lots of beatles stuff uh credence clearwater revival um uh, Vance Joy, there's just, just lots of things. I do like stuff from the 50s and 60s. Um, but at the moment, I'm mucking around with uh, with um, uh, a bit of blues, you know, 12 bar blues and uh, turnarounds and riffs and things like that. I, I find that uh, as a maker, you know, you, you just, you, 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 I have other interests that sort of, you know, swirl around the central core of leatherwork and, and, and you have to, you know, you, you have to put, you know, sort of, have other things that, uh, that that occupy yourself, you know. That was totally um, not the answer I was searching for. What were you searching for? I thought you would have yeah. said rawhide. <laughs> I do love rawhide. <laughs> rawhide. <laughs> we should graduate. Rawhide. No, we shouldn't. Sing along. I get all the jokes. Of, uh, they call me. They do call me uh, uh, the leather man. Uh, some people have called me the leather neck. <laughs> uh, or leather Larry. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, no, I love Rawhide, uh, especially from the, when, the, the way the Blues Brothers played it. Yeah, that was good. I liked that one too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the last question would have to be um, you've been doing this for a number of years now. Um, yeah, full, full time five years. Full time five years. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Uh, that's the interesting thing because uh, at my age, you know, you take it day by day. You know, I'm, I'm really fortunate that, um, you know, I, I send, I'm, I'm doing something I really love um, and, you know, I don't look at the end game. You know, I've got aspirations about what I want to do. Um, and, uh, you know, as I said, I mean, to, to actually open up a shop and to... Um, to continue to expand and learn what I learn, uh, and to meet great guys like you, and also others, you know, in the in the maker community, you know, it's it's just really really exciting. And so I, I just you know I, I tell the customers, um, you know, when they buy something off me, I say, look, you know, let me know how you go. I mean, come back in forty years from now and show me what you bought. I'll still be here. And they chuckle, mm. you know, because they look mm. at me and they go, this guy's got no chance of making another forty years. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but you look, you're looking all right for 26. That's... <laughs> I, I, I tell people that, you know, if you have an interest in doing something, don't wait. Go and do it. Go and make yeah. things. You know, it's, it's, it's therapy. It's the best thing. Whatever it is, whether it's timber, whether it's leather, jewellery making, metal work, just go and do it. And I, and I believe there's a phone call coming through um, yeah, wanting to take an order off you now, Mark. What's that? A couple of handbags and and a nice whip and a nice whip. <laughs> Can you provide, please? Yes, yes, Sorry? he's onto it. He's onto yeah, it. Cool. Thank you very much. Cool. Yep. All right. So yeah, don't call again. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, look. Um... <laughs> All yeah. Right, yeah. You don't. You won't get a commission on that either. No. I can't <sighs> <laughs> Look, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Yeah. 
No, it's been my um, pleasure, gentlemen. I really appreciate like you asking Dirk, me on. Not a problem at all. And like Dirk said, we'll definitely have you back on on a panel show with us. Yep. Yeah, look and, forward to um, it. Yeah, and it'll be, be a lot of fun. So, because, uh, yeah, as I said, we're trying to diversify our, our portfolio of interviewees. So, in different, you know, uh, hobbies that you yep. that you participate in. So it'll be interesting to encapsulate that into a, a topic of conversation another time. For sure. If I can, uh, make, if I do make some bondage gear, can I get you two guys to model what I make? That would oh, be nice. Look, um, listen, you don't have to twist my arm. I'll do all that for just for the laugh. Yeah, yeah. Is that we, the time? We, we can play go. rawhide. We can play rawhide <laughs> in the background. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and his name's hot. His name's hot. And my nickname's yeah, no. hot. Yeah, there you go. You're made for it. I am. I am. I'll, I'll do anything for a laugh. I jumped into a swimming pool clothes last season, so. <laughs> Luckily, there was water in there. Season five was supposed to get better. It is. I know. We're on a damaged spoil already. Uh, once again, Mark, thank you very much for your time. Yep. Thanks, Dirk. Thanks, Chris. Thank really appreciate no it. Worries. And we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you. Hello, Hoss. How are you, Harry? Good, thank you. I'm looking at doing a little bit of epoxy work. Yes, I can help you there. Do you have a product? I do. Who, who does it come from? It comes from Hammeroo. Let me have a look, please. My, my. That looks like a two-part mix. It is a two-part mix, and it's a two-to-one mix, as it says on the bottom. Is it made in Australia? It is. I might take a few more, then. Well, I only have these. I'll take those. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you, Harry. You're welcome, boss. Got the pipe. <laughs> that was a really, really top quality interview with a an absolute wonderful guest. As yeah. as all the guests are, Chris. They always are. They but always um, are. you know, you, you get all these blokes on. You, you keep telling me who you're going to bring onto the show and everything, and I always shut them, going, "Oh no." How's this going to go? But they all turn out to be really, really good people. Yep. Um, political correct, correctness goes out the door when yep. at times. That's the guest fault. Not behind the scenes. Yeah, behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. Yeah. Yep. They're not on the outtakes. Mm. Thank God. Um, yeah, so thank you very much to Mark. Um, uh, we hope you enjoyed that. And also think about subscribing to our channel as uh, something that we're striving to, you know, share, go ahead. Share, like, and subscribe. Do all those things, please. Hit the notification bell and hit the all because that'll indicate that every fortnight, uh, Hoss and Harry are back on your screens. Yep. You're like that, don't um, So, Hoss, you know, uh, what are we all coming up? We don't know, do we? We don't know. No, not even going to say it. So just It's a fortnightly jumble that is yep. measured twice, cut once. We will see you in two weeks' time. And our supporters, thank you. And James Finger. Yep. It's a big... It's a big... Uh, daunting, isn't it? Maybe oh. we should go up that way. It doesn't look like James Finger. Anyway, thanks, yeah. James. I'm going to sign off. We're yep. saying hooroo for now. And I'll say no, no, hooroo no. for now. It's bye for now. It's mine. Oh, I got on about it. Sorry. Hooroo. Bye for now. Okay, the other thing is, let me just get a couple of um, things out of the way here. Number one, do you need to wear those glasses? No. It's a reflection. It's the reflection off the screen. And number two, do you have to have the hat on? Well, I, I wear the hat because it looks like we all go to the same 
Barber. Yeah, we're all the same. <laughs> yeah, so we're all... he, he does it to me. I, I had my hat on before. I wear glasses too. <laughs> Be better than that. Terrible one. There we go. There we do. Was that a good introduction? Well, very nice. You talked about quality leather goods, and I thought, hang on, who's the guest on today? Your handwriting is absolutely atrocious. Mm -hmm. Yours is a lot better. I'm, I'm, trying to work, I'm trying to work out who's in charge there between you two. Um, where's the text? There he is. So now we, we, get, we launch into it, right? So now we start. Oh, I get that. Well, well, why did you start before? We've done 60 shows. Because Mark introduced himself and you weren't happy with that. Well, Mark's not running the show, all right? <laughs> <laughs> like an old hand, mate. Like an old hand. <laughs>